Isaiah 57, verse 18. I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will lead him also and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off. And to him that is near, saith the Lord, I will heal him. And we looked at that verse last week and we seen how God had acknowledged that he had seen the iniquities of his people. He had seen their sins. And despite their sins, he stated that he wanted to help those who were of a contrite and humble spirit, those who would trust in him. And we likened it unto today in the world. The iniquity and immorality is abounding. But you know, God still has his people. And although as a nation we will reap what we have sown, but God has his people and God will come unto them and it says, those of a contrite and humble spirit, whenever we humble ourselves before the Lord, and God sees that we are apart from the wickedness of the world, but we may be distressed, we may be concerned. And so the promise was, firstly, that God would heal them. Then he said that he would lead them. Then he said that he would comfort them. You know, there's nothing like the comfort of the Lord. Just speaking to that lady Vi this morning, who's uh, late sisters on our way home, and to know even at that stage in your life when you've lost a sibling, it's the comfort of God. It passes, like it's peace, it passes all understanding. And here's a, a wonderful verse. God said that he, he would help them change. And when I read that, I think, well, were any of them kind of sucked into what was going on in society and then began to realize I'm sinning against the Lord here. And then they realized that it was strong, this urge, as we'll see in a moment, this urge that we have. And so therefore God said, I will help them change. God will help them repent. God will help them turn back to them. And he will offer them peace. As I've said, this also applies to you and me today. Last week we also saw that if we trust the Lord, he will not fail. You know, God never fails in all he says and in all he does. We might not get things the way we want them to be, but that doesn't mean that God's wrong. We can get so high and lofty, can't we, in our plans and our ideas. But God's will is perfect. God's plan is perfect. And he watches over us and he will never fail us. And then we looked at the fact that to change, if we're, if we're suffering anxiety, if we're whatever emotion we're really going through and troubling us, we have to accept that we are not God. We are not God. We are human beings, and we have finite abilities. You know, men desire things that will pull them in the wrong direction, that will pull them away from God. Look at society today. It's ridiculous what's going on. Just listening, in fact, if you haven't heard it, I would recommend you go on and listen to her. The new Italian prime minister made a speech. It was absolutely wonderful. Talk about summing up what's going on today and how she was going to make her stand as a Christian. But men, as we see, what they're wanting in life is it's drawing them away from God. It's pulling them away from God. And we looked at uh, Proverbs 14 and 12 and 16 and 25, which says, there is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And men today, 
They want to create their own destiny and be what they want to be. And we looked at Paul and we've seen how this creates a battle within us. For those of us who are serving the Lord, we quoted that wonderful chapter, Romans 7. This internal battle that Paul spoke of, he spoke of the things that he did not want to do, he did them. The things that he wanted to do, he found out in himself that he wasn't doing them. And let's be honest, we all have that inner battle. There's things that we know we should do. There's things that we know we shouldn't be doing. And yet that inner man seems to get us to do contrary to what we really want. And what we've seen in Paul was an admission that he was not God. An admission that Paul needed help. He acknowledged the fact that I am human and I am weak. Romans 7, 24, concluding what he talked about, the internal battle, he said, O wretched man that I am. I can hear Paul screaming at the top of his voice. Frustration with himself. Wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? He was a man that loved the Lord. He's a man that loved the ways of the Lord. And I would safely assume that he got frustrated with himself. As we all should be if we're doing something wrong. And he admitted, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? As we look at this, I'm not saying that everybody here in church needs help with their mental health. Well, not, maybe not everybody, but what I am saying is that there are issues in each one of our lives. And if we really want to be the one that God uses to help others with mental health problems, for example, with issues, with trials in their lives, if we really want to be a help to someone, we must first know who we are and what are our personal issues. Because you cannot help someone if you don't know your personal issues, if you don't know your weaknesses, if you don't know your strengths. But you're not alone because we all need help from the Lord. You know, when we're not happy, when we're discontented, when we're anxious, we, we looked last week and we said that we need to see the cause of the problem. Then we'll see the consequences of the problem. And then we'll be able to cure the problem. And we've seen that the cause of the problem uh, is that without fully realizing it, we are wanting, as I've said, to, to, to be God to ourselves. We're wanting to sort everything out ourselves. We want, mankind now wants to determine what is right and what is wrong. I spoke to you of high psychology, teaches you that to find this self-awareness, you need to be selfish. You need to be thinking of yourself, what suits you? What makes you happy? But the conflict for a Christian is it's not about self. It's about reaching out to others. It's about encouraging others. We are not called to be discouragers. We are called to be encouragers, encouraging one another in the Lord, not being selfish, not wanting to control other people's lives in order that we can control our own. You know, this speaks of an, an insecurity. This need for things to be done the way you want them, the way I want them to be done, and everybody else has got to fit in with it, and if they don't fit in with it in society today, you get a negative label. And as I said last week, 
the, the most common phrase they're using quite a lot today is they're calling you a fascist. A fascist. I've seen the, oh, I don't know what they are protesting about, but they're gluing their hands to the road and the police moved them and the police were fascists because the police moved them. I mean, it's unbelievable. Now, we can look at that and say that's unbelievable, but can we look in the mirror? Now, I'm not saying we call ourselves a fascist, but are we trying to control our own lives and therefore control everything around us? Trying to be God. We looked last week at how Adam and Eve tried to control their own destiny, thinking that they could become gods and control their destiny. They had everything they needed, and all they were asked, one tree was all they were asked, but this desire within them, which Satan knows is there, this desire to control everything yourself, to be your own God, to make your own rules, and they give in. And they added the forbidden fruit. We also looked and talked about how everybody is today is controlling our image, our image, controlling or trying to control what people think about us. And this is really because we don't want anyone to know what we are really like. Many preachers have said, who would want the skeletons in their cupboard brought out into the public? So we don't really want people to know what we're like. And so we put on this persona, Carl Jung said, this mask that people see. And people get a, a false impression of who we are. But you know, God knows who we are. Your family know who we are when we're home. When we take off this mask. I remember counseling a lady. And her father was an elder in a church. And everybody loved him. There's nobody like him, she said. And that's what angered her. Because he was a hallion. He beat that girl with a leather strap and her mother with a leather strap at home. But when he went to church, everybody praised him. This mask that he put on. And you know something? God sees behind the mask. Amen? And we're not all violent. I'm not saying that. But we come to church and we're let on, we're happy, and we go home, there's something troubling us. We come to church, we're let on, we're happy, but there's something really angering us. We don't want people to see that side of us. And what this does, if we don't deal with it, it leads to frustration. Frustration is when we don't seem to be getting anywhere. When we've tried but failed, and we deny that we cannot do it. You know, denial can burn us out can make us hide from fear, hide from frustration. We keep busy. But you know something? The best way to deal with anything is to actually deal with it. For fear of losing our image, for fear of annoying someone, for fear of people seeing a side of us they don't want to see, we just let something eat away at us like a cancer and destroy us. When all we really need to do as Christians, especially it's just sit down and talk. Sit down and talk. Talk to the Lord. Talk to each other. The Lord is calling us to talk to him, to turn to him. And Isaiah 1 and 18, it says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be wool. So in other words, no matter what you've done, even if you've sinned, I'm not saying anyone has sinned, but if you have sinned, do you know what? 
the Lord says, come, let us reason together. Let us talk about this. And you'll be forgiven. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So Jesus acknowledging our human weakness and telling us he will give us rest. And I believe what we need to do is sit down with the Lord. Just sit down with the Lord and talk to the Lord about it. You know, if I was counseling you and something was upsetting you, something angered you, something troubled you, something made you afraid, what I would get you to do is to write <coughs> as a heading on the top of a page, whatever it is. So, I don't know, say, oh, it doesn't matter, but I would get you to write whatever it is is annoying you, angering you, making you afraid, giving you depression, write it at the top of a page. And then the left-hand side of the page, I would suggest that you write your feelings. All your feelings, anger, fear, whatever, whatever. And then write what you've done so far. And then I would get you to go to the other side of the page, and then I would sit down with you, and we'd look to see if we can see an alternative way of dealing with things. But you know something, as a Christian, this is a great exercise. You write these things down on the left-hand side of the page, but then you open your Bible and you look. Is it okay for me to be angry about this? I shall love one another. Is it okay for me to be afraid? The Word of God says, fear not for I am with thee. And it's a great, you know, great encourager to take from God's Word because God's Word's there to build you up. God said He wants to heal you, He wants to comfort you, wants to give you peace, wants to lead you, wants to guide you. And so use God's word. You know, sometimes we don't want to talk to people. We don't want to talk to the Lord because subconsciously it would be admitting that we are weak. And that's what's going to burn us out. By not praying. Lord, there's nothing wrong with saying, Lord, I am weak. I cannot do this on my own. Please help me. Look at the prayers of Moses. So frustrated. Many times he got before the Lord. Lord, I can't do this. This people. Think of Elijah after what he did when the, the, the prophets of Baal couldn't call down the fire. He did. He destroyed their altars. And then he fled. What did he say to the Lord? Lord, take my life. Elijah contemplated suicide or euthanasia, whatever way you want to put it. Because he just couldn't do it anymore. And the Lord strengthened him, we know. And the Lord spoke to him. So church this morning, an unsafe person this morning, we need to be honest and ask ourselves, am I frustrated? What, 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 what am, I, am I running from anything? What's spoiling my joy? What's taking away my joy? What pain am I hiding? What aspect of my life is stealing my true joy? Proverbs 28 and 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesses and forsake them shall have mercy. And that's not just sins. He that covers his troubles, they're not going to prosper. We need to, it's things in life, the best thing we can do is deal with them. Because you'll lose sleep. You'll be, you'll be anxious. You'll not enjoy life at all if you don't deal with it. Uh, James 4, 6, and 7. Wherefore, he saith, 
God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, when you submit yourself to God, you're not only resisting the devil, you're resisting that carnal man which Paul spoke of. You're getting victory over that carnal man, and there'll be no more inner battles in your heart when you submit totally to God. Because the power to change, as we've seen from our reading in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, comes from the grace of God. And so the, not, uh, the longer we refuse to change, the harder it will be. Church life is too short. We've got to enjoy it. We've got to move forward. We've got to not dwell in something that happened in the past. We've got to move forward. When I'm counseling people, I tell them, what we, you need to do is to deal with your past, to cope with your present, and that'll help you prepare for your future. And that's what it's all about. We have to accept God's offer to help us with all of our worries, with all of our fears, with all of our angers. Because it says in Philippians 2.13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We put that verse down to just serve us as such. But you know, it's God's good pleasure that we are happy, that we prosper. And it's God that works in us when we allow him. If we surrender to the Lord, he works in us. He empowers us. He endues us, we know, with power from on high. And that power from on high, yes, it's all about the, the gifts of the Holy Ghost. I know that. But it's also about, <clears throat> also about an, an inner power to overcome, to be an overcomer. God will work in you. We need the Lord, church, and it's sad when you read in, uh, in Chronicles where, where the Lord says, if my people shall humble themselves and pray. We need the Lord. Think about it, church. We need God's power in our lives. We've all got mobile phones. We've all got iPads. We've all got other mobile devices. Well, I would say 99.9% .9 of us have. And what's wrong? Well, that's what's wrong. But what do we need to do? Every so often, we need to charge them. Every so often, we need to charge them. The more we use them, the more we will need to charge them. The power in them dies out with its usage. The more usage, then the more the power dies out. We all need, <clears throat> we all need to be connected to the highest power on earth or in the universe, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Because life burns us out. Things tire us out. We're human. We sometimes doubt. We sometimes fear. We're sometimes anxious. That's when we need to come before the Lord. To get that boost of power. We all need connected to that power. You don't do that with your devices. They won't work. They'll burn out unless they're continually connected to power. To recharge. I remember typing on my iPad not long ago actually and I looked at the, the battery charge and it was red and I thought I'll just type this paragraph and the stupid thing died out. <laughs> well, me stupid, not the stupid iPad. iPads can't be stupid. It's a person that uses it can be stupid. I should have connected it to the power. 
We should connect ourselves to God and receive from him strength. When things come against us, when things burn us out, listen to what Isaiah said in Isaiah 43. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by my name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shall not be burned, and neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. And then we go down to verse 5. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I love that. I used to love singing that little chorus. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shall not get burned. Neither shall the flames kindle upon thee. Church, that's the promise from God. That's the promise that we receive from God when we plug into God. When we seek his face. When we say, Lord, I need your power. We can sing, I need thee, oh, I need thee. We can close our eyes and raise our arms. But you know something? Are we genuinely meaning, I need thee? Because we need him in every situation of life. We are the children of God. We are the body of Christ. Don't be afraid to ask the Lord who loves you and died for you for help. God wants to help us. The sad reality today is when God offers help, sometimes men won't take it. So what would stop us from giving everything over to the Lord? What stops us from dying to self and totally surrendering our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ? <clears throat> what stops us when we know that this is burning me out, that this is difficult, that I actually need help here? What stops us from asking the Lord. I believe pride does. Pride does. Proverbs 10 and 8 says, The wise man is glad to be instructed, but a self-sufficient fool falls flat in his face. That's a quote from the Living Bible. Pride keeps us. Is it, we just don't want to admit we're weak. And you're not admitting you're weak. You're talking to the Lord. You're admitting you're human. Pride keeps us. Fear keeps us. We're afraid of what we might lose. What we might lose. We're afraid to be open about how we feel. To be honest enough to say that I need your strength, O oh Lord. Worry. We worry about the consequences of our mistakes. And this stops us from going forward. Philippians 1 and 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Remember, church, God has started a work in you, and he will complete it if we trust in him. He will at times need to come down and pick us up. Maybe we're on the Jericho Road and we've been wounded and we're hurt. The Lord will pick us up. Maybe we felt abandoned. Maybe we felt this. Maybe we felt that. God began a work in you and he will complete it when you surrender to him. When you say, 
well, Lord, I would like to do it this way, but I want to do it your way. Because God's way is right. Always remember, he will complete what he started in you. What about doubt? I remember a preacher many years ago, visiting preacher we had, and he said, if you're going to doubt anything, doubt, doubt. Now think about that. If you're going to doubt anything, doubt, doubt. Put your faith in God. He will see you through. Don't doubt God. He is your strength. He is your portion. He didn't save you just to abandon you. He saved you for a reason. That you can be his vassal and bring light into the darkness of other people's lives. To bring a blessing to him, to bring a blessing to the church. So as I've said, if we want to help people going through traumas and issues in their lives, and there's plenty of them out there going through traumas and issues, then we need to have a look at ourselves and know who we are and know how we can help. There's people out there and they're looking for answers, but they've found none. No answers. What we need to do is to help them find the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. You know, we think we need to do this, we need to do that, and we definitely need to help people practically first. And that gives us, let's say, an open door to talk to them. But we need to tell them about Jesus and the blessing he is in our lives and the blessing he can be in their lives. We need to share the gospel. We need to help them accept God's word as their standard for living. You see, church, throughout Christendom, and this isn't my word, just as many, many preachers have heard preach and many preachers have read, have said this. There's people today, and they're praying what we call the sinner's prayer. But that's as far as they go. That's as far as they go. They don't accept God's word for their standard for living. They're happy enough to be forgiven, and that'll make them feel good. But whenever you, you talk to them about how they have to live for the Lord, they don't want to know. We need to accept God's word as a standard for Help them accept God's word as a standard for living. Need to accept God's will for their lives. Need to accept God's power to help them overcome every adversity. You know, as a Christian, when we try to help ourselves, what we really need to do is give a, a re-surrender to the Lord, a re-surrender to the Lord, an opportunity to die to self and renew our commitment to the Lord. And when you die to self, then you're letting the Lord take over. Not a big fan of country and western songs. There's one that goes on the radio very often that says, Jesus, take the wheel. We need to give everything over to the Lord. And God, by his Spirit, will empower us. You know, it must be frustrating for the Lord that he wants to empower his church with the Holy Ghost. And yet throughout Christendom, there's Christians who don't want to know anything about it. They have no interest in it whatsoever. But you know what it says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14? The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. To get that nearness to God, 
To be able to have that spiritual discernment, you need the Holy Ghost in your life. You need the power of God in your life. And here's the wonderful thing, church. God is willing to do it. God wants to do it. God wants to open the windows of heaven and rain a blessing upon you. God wants to take you from wherever you are in your life and get you back on your feet if you're knocked off your feet. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to give you peace. We read it. He wants to heal you. He wants to lead you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to help you change. And he wants to offer you his peace. And I wonder, are we today, have we an umbrella up so that we don't get the holy rain falling upon us? Or are we saying, Lord, I need thee. Come upon me now. Fill me with your spirit. Help me change that which you want me to change. You don't have to pray, help me change that which others want to change. Help me change that which you want me to change, Lord. So that I can have that nearness to you. And the thing is, God will do it. The Lord will do it if you just give over everything to him. I'll just leave it there as I asked him. He says, to come back. And come on, let's just take a call to trust in the Lord. That if there are issues in our life which are troubling us, which are making us lose sleep, which we can't get out of our heads, well, do you know what to do? Just come before the Lord. Come before him in praise and just feel the anointing of his presence because he keeps his promise that he inhabits the praises of his people. In the secret place, we can be open and honest with the Lord when nobody's listening. You know, it does no harm to say, Lord, I am weak, but thou art strong. We looked at what Paul said, and his strength is perfected in what? In our weakness. It's not perfected in our pride. It's not perfected in our doubt. It's perfected in our weakness. His strength can pour upon each one of us.